In early spring of 2102, the integral rocket ramjet headed east and flew well past the Urals now. General Benjamin Bjorn removed the reporting plug from his ear, stretched his lean six-foot frame, and tried to imagine springtime Siberia below. Tega, swamp and coniferous forest, extended under the flight path. Tundra and the Arctic Circle lay to the north, grass steppe to the south. Was any of it friendly? He rubbed a hand over his tight curls of yellow hair, then down his pale, bony face, over the strong ridges with bristling eyebrows, and over the long nose and prominent cheekbones. He sighed. He shouldn't feel so emotionally drained. Hell, he was still in his early thirties. But the past years had thrown up one gut-cramping emergency after another. Joining the Marine Corps at 18 in order to avoid a gang-filled, ghetto-gritty future, he'd fought his way to a sergeant's rank, further educating himself via the web as he matured. Then he'd helped the wealthy revolution and soon became its successful supreme general. But the horrors from worldwide overpopulation brought invasions by the hungry into the northern hemisphere. The wealthy triumvirate that ruled North America could no longer concentrate on merely domestic reform and had to intervene and Bjorn was the agent of that intervention. He ran down a series of never-ending rapids, it seemed, always wondering if the next set of rocks would border a Niagara Falls. Should he activate a video of the scenery the aircraft flew over? Few people populated the Tega below, he knew, as in the Canadian North Woods where he'd fought years earlier. Permafrost underlay most of it, but lots of minerals and timber, and to the west, grain fields. Those last were targets for the hungry, Maybe the people here would welcome a protector. Two years ago, Western Europe had pled for help against imminent Muslim invasions headed by the Turks. Bjorn led an American army to Europe, mimicked the organizational structure of an old outfit called NATO, and took command over European forces too. He defeated attempted assassinations, achieved a rebellion against his wealthy civil policies, and the Turks. Most Europeans voiced complaints rather than pleading these days. Now he must respond to a cry for help from the Slavs. Would the tests never end? His wife had divorced him, and his mistress betrayed and tried to murder him. He had no one close, except for his far-away-in-Washington uncle, Will Maestri. But Will had his own problems governing North America. Bjorn sat straighter. He must stop this hand-wringing. Too many people relied on him, and self-pity never paid. The European Union's Eastern Army, his Eastern Army now, occupied the Angara River Plain, where the outflow from Lake Bacal wended north. The city of Irkutsk sat 80 kilometers upriver on that plain. From there, General Vlashev Lashinsky claimed he would defeat a Chinese invasion from Mongolia without help. That brag gives me a big problem. Irkutsk in five minutes, the male co-pilot announced over a loudspeaker. Cocoon nets dropped and locked around Bjorn and his 11-man staff. The airplane shuddered as engines reduced airflow, changed to simple jets. Air brakes deployed. The craft nosed down. Suddenly, an alarm shrieked. The plane jinked to the left. Bjorn heard air brakes retract. His straps tightened. The cocoon squeezed. Shit! exclaimed Colonel Sam Sweeney, his blonde chief bodyguard who sat next to him. The pilot threw the aircraft into an abrupt left turn. Then engines behind Bjorn roared with increased thrust. The airplane dived almost vertically. The pilot ducks a missile, Bjorn thought. Maybe more than one. He swallowed. After a short plummeting drop, the aircraft rotated back to a level attitude for a split second. 
It seemed to wade through thicker air. Brakes deployed. Bjorn felt faint as blood rushed to his stomach. Then the pilot jerked the aircraft aside. Something scraped along the fuselage. Bjorn shivered. The pilot shouldered away the weapon. A surface-launched missile, he guessed. Not much speed advantage over his Mach 4 ramjet. It had to climb to their altitude, too. He wiped his forehead. Maybe it's coming around for another try at the engine exhausts. The missile would have an imaging infrared seeker. No radar proximity fuse, of course. Modern jammers would pre-detonate an active device like that. And the airplane's ceramic skin was too cold from flying in near space to trip the IR sensor's firing circuit. The engines would be the targets. He held on as the airplane dived again. The pilot was roaring for the ground as fast as his jets would take him. Maybe he hoped to pull up at the last moment while the missile or missiles crashed into the surface. I'm ground meat.